Kia ora team and welcome to the Beyond the Surface podcast. My name's Noel Willoff and on today's episode I'm joined by Charles Clatworthy. So what does it mean to be an opportunity and experience creator? This is exactly what Charles is doing through creating some of the biggest music experiences across New Zealand at the moment. He first started his company Coastal Promotions for only $1,000 from his course-related uni costs. Fast forward to today, and he's launched his own festival called High Tide, which brings together thousands of different Kiwis right across the country coming to Wellington to celebrate music. Charles has some awesome stories around what it's like to live out your dreams into reality and to take some big risks and also had some pretty funny stories about meeting Freddie Gibbs and some of the celebrities along the way. Make sure you remember the name, Charles is really onto something and his passion will definitely come through within this interview. It's been a while in between drinks since the last episode so apologies about the lack of content lately team. Um, I've recently started a new job so things have been pretty hectic and I'm also training for my first marathon which is happening next week so things have been pretty busy. As always, a massive thank you to everybody tuning into this episode. And if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please make sure to remember to hit follow and also to rate us five stars. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to episode number 27. Clats, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you very much for having me, man. Really appreciate it. It's good. We were cracking up earlier because we had to... um, Had to go into town and pick you up. So we were pretty scared not to like speak on... Uh, like the entire podcast in the car right yeah but. it was tricky so I guess from that I was just like asking you about the background of the podcast and stuff like that you had some pretty incredible people on here a few friends of mine as well like Reese Rich and Will McLean, which is awesome so yeah uh, it was hard though but yeah I really appreciate you picking me up man thank you the problems of not living in Wellington anymore I guess yeah I know <laughs> so good so good so um for people who aren't familiar with you and your mahi road do you mind just introducing yourself sure thing so my name is Charles Clatworthy I run a company called Coastal Promotions we're a multifaceted music business um, from Wellington and Auckland, New Zealand. And yeah, we're essentially concert promoters. We run a whole range of um, live music events throughout the country. Um, We started in 2018 and essentially our vision is to create live music experiences for people, unique experiences, activating unique venues and then hosting incredible international and local artists. Fuck yeah, that's a good sales pitch, eh? Yeah. And uh, we also have a festival as well, which is sort of my main body of work that I've been working towards over these years. So that's called High Tide Festival, which is hosted in Wellington. And yeah, it's an incredible two-stage open-air festival that we host in Petone, right on the water's edge. It's pretty cool. Unreal, brother. And we'll definitely um, unpack that a bit more throughout the episode. But I was really keen to basically start at the beginning. So you studied at, was it Massey University? Yeah, so I went to Massey University at the College of Creative Arts there and studied a Bachelor of Commercial Music, majoring in music industry, which changed my life. It was definitely something that I'm very happy that I did. Um, It was quite an interesting one. So it was at school, sort of deciding what I was going to do. My mother was a lawyer. My brother was a lawyer. I was looking to do law. Mm. Very close to doing it. And then my godmother said to me, there's this uh, music course down in Wellington because her daughter had just gone and they'd been to the open day and she's like, there's this college um, college of creative arts down there. They've got this Bachelor of Commercial Music degree. It's just started. You can major in music industry. I think that's something that you should look into because I'm not sure if you really should be a lawyer. And I was like, that actually sounds quite interesting. Well, it was more just like, she's like, I don't feel like your heart's in it with being a lawyer. I was like, yeah, mm. it was sort of just something that's viable, you know, that's going to pay you good money. You know, it's something that's quite um, intellectual and interesting to learn about. So then I was sort of like, okay, let's go have a look into this further. And I was actually quite scared to tell my parents. I was like, hmm, I wonder how they're going to feel about me saying, hey, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I want to be a concert promoter. I want to work in the music work industry. Work in the creative arts, yeah. Yeah, and they were very supportive, which was amazing. It was definitely something that was a bit daunting to me, but they were like, go for it if you enjoy it. So I went down to the open day and absolutely loved it. And it's pretty pretty special. Like now I'm still very involved with the um, uni. I go there and do guest, guest lectures, cool, which is pretty awesome. So I speak to the first year students and sort of just talk about utilizing the course coming up in the industry. And yeah, the whole main thing that I do in my guest lecture is essentially talking about you're at university now. Now is the time where you need to seize the moment of getting your first foot in the door in the music industry. Start working now. Start doing shows now. All that sort of stuff. Whatever you're doing in the music industry, start now because you have this perfect opportunity where you're at university you're getting a student loan, you have more free time than you would do if you were working a full-time job. Mm. So that's sort of like the perfect catalyst to be able to get started in the music industry. Mm. And what originally brought you to gravitate towards the music industry? It's actually quite an interesting one. So I've sort of been into it for a while or like, you know, for since a young age, but I remember I was really blown away. I was um, year 11, so 15 or 16 at the time, had a fake ID and went to, um, to watch ASAP Ferg, yep. who's a, obviously a big international rapper. Really quickly, how did you do the fake ID? Do you scratch um, that one of my into a brother's mate, Yeah, one of my brother's mates scratched it from an eight to a three. Nice. And that served me very well. Me and a few, <laughs> of, my, me and a few of my mates did that. Um, Love it. Yeah, it was awesome. So I went to watch ASAP Ferg 
at the studio and it was one of my first proper gigs and I was just absolutely captivated. I was like, this is just insane. It was something, it was a connection really for me about just like creative arts, music, live music experiences and I was like, I feel like this is something that I want to invest myself in. This is what, like, mm. it's like a passion for me. So it all sort of started there and I started heavily getting involved in music and just going to a lot of events and stuff like that. Um, and it was funny, before I started promoting or anything, like I was... Um, Actually, how I started, because I work with Audiology now quite a bit. They're co-owners in the festival and mm -hmm. stuff like that, which is great, and I owe them a lot. But uh, when shout I first out. started, yeah, shout out to Audiology. When I first started, I um, was just working for them, doing like just promoting. So it wasn't even working. It was actually just promoting stuff on Facebook, just trying to get my foot in the door before I sort of went to uni and stuff. And then went down to Massey, spent the first year sort of as you do first year, Dicking around a bit, I guess you could say. Like, you know, I was definitely still working hard mm -hmm. and like I was doing well, getting good grades, but I wasn't really just putting myself out there or trying to do shows or anything. Mm -hmm. And then it came to second year university, and another person I want to shout out is um, Ian Jorgensen, who is one of the most respected people in the music industry in New Zealand. He's an absolute visionary. He had a festival called Camp Hum, which I think is out. I don't know exactly where it is, but it's in the greater Wellington region. Mm. He's done a lot of amazing things. He's now created this thing called the Deluge, which is this live synthesizer that you play on. He's a visionary. He's done some, a lot of crazy things. But essentially, he was my mentor, and I owe him a lot for where I've got in the industry and sort of him making me sure that I get my first leg up and all that sort of stuff. But mm. we had a meeting, and he's like, all right, I think you need to start promoting and doing shows. And I was like, yeah, I'm really keen. And luckily, this is actually quite funny. Um, all of Coastal Promotions' money, it all started with $1,000 from course-related costs. So the money that we have now, we've literally just started with that $1,000, did the first show, and just been flipping it and flipping it, that which is, is pretty crazy. crazy. Yeah, like a lot of people were like, oh, your, your dad must have invested. Do you have some investors, something like that? Literally, it's all just been from that, which is- Course-related costs. Yeah, of course, shout, shout out to- Shout out to the Link, Yeah, shout out to, thank you, Jacinda. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, yeah. a, that's a bit of a case study, eh? Yeah. And, and for that first $1,000, what was that first $1,000 spent on? So that was our first ever gig. So yeah, circling back to that, we essentially, um, he was like, you need to start doing a gig. I was like, cool, I want to do this big hip-hop show and he's like no that's not what you want to do it will cost you a lot of money it's riskier what you should do is a drum bass show you're already DJing drum bass yourself you may as well do it, it'll be cheap it'll cost you like a grand if not less do that and it will work and I was mm. like okay did that and it was crazy sold out in like two days or something like that because at the time drum and bass was definitely it's been big in New Zealand for years and all that sort of stuff I'm not trying to say that we were like you know help but essentially what myself and other promoters did or other student promoters is sort of like help get it within the student scene like mm -hmm. in Dunedin before um, these guys like Halftime Oranges which was the first ever sort of student drum based show of in recent years mm. um, before that it was sort of the music was just a bit interesting and it was sort of like this wasn't much of a DJ scene and then sort of they started doing gigs this DJ scene became a thing and then it sort of just started and um, snowballing into more and more shows and stuff like that. So essentially, we were sort of one of the first people to do like a for the students, by the students gig, which was really cool. And it was just a lot of hype around it. And then so we started there. And then very luckily as well, another person I'd love to shout out is Ollie and Cam from One Two One. They've been um, instrumental in Coastal Promotions and everything that we've achieved and all mm. that. So we had our first gig. They saw it was going well. And Ollie hit me up. He's like, hey, man, I was Ollie from One to One here. I'd love to come down and check your gig out. He came down. was like, this is awesome. And then they offered us a residency at the club because they were looking to activate um, midweek, so Thursday nights. Mm -hmm. And they were like, look, you know, we've got this club. We've got Friday and Saturdays techno. We'd love to do drum bass on Thursday. So then mm. we started Coastal Club Night, which, again, is a pretty amazing opportunity after you have one show and then a club comes to you and say, hey, we want you to create the student night. So that was phenomenal and that that went really well. I think we did like 15 of those overall. It was sort of wow. bi-monthly, but just through COVID and stuff like that, it sort of just died out, unfortunately. And obviously Club 121's gone now, rest in peace. Yeah, great um, club. That was an yeah, awesome club. Yeah, that was awesome, yeah. Um, shit, that's really interesting. So like the basically the whole or the opportunity there for you was that that midweek send for like students yeah. wasn't really – Get it? Like there, there probably wasn't necessarily something which was really hitting there. Yeah, so that was it. So they had like Wednesday shows at Biddy's and stuff like that. It just wasn't. It was just wasn't really. I think the mark and the music curation wasn't correct. So then we created this thing where it was like actual. We were very. Like, I was a student at the time, so mm. we were like booking student DJs who were just our friends, and we sort of created this culture. And that was a cool thing is like drum and bass and sort of just DJ, DJ shows in general started becoming like a big culture within the student market, which before it was, but not as much. It mm. wasn't as apparent. Mm. That's super interesting, bro. Mm. And um, I guess I'm really keen to just understand your mindset from being, you know, a second year uni student and being like, fuck it, I'm going to run. Yeah. I'm going to start running gigs and have, have a crack at this thing called Coastal Promotions. Mm. Like, I feel like a lot of different uni students who you would have been studying with in the same shoes as you 
you know, probably would have taken their time. You know, I'm going to finish university first, earn these skills, get some networks, and then maybe have a crack at it, yeah. or maybe not have a crack at it at all. Yeah. So, what set you apart from, I guess, your other peers in that way of actually like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give this thing yeah. a crack. A lot of it was Ian, so I owe a lot to him. He's like, you need to start now, and then sort of like that first mindset that he gave me is, is encapsulated into what I do now for my guest lectures and stuff like that. Is like you have to seize the opportunity. So I was like, okay, I'm at university, I've got this a thousand dollars from the government let's start now and, and the other thing as well is that I saw it in Dunedin so they had this halftime oranges shows which I mentioned previously so Great I name. saw that and I was like why don't we do that in Wellington like there's such a gap in the market here there's such an opportunity and that was sort of it and then like the first one just went well and it sort of just started snowballing from there and it started coming hype on it so it was sort of just taking the leap of faith essentially mm. is the best way to describe it and I was just like, you know what, let's just give it a go. And like, because we were DJing flat parties and stuff and we we're sort of like, okay, we want to professionalize this. Like I have mates like um, Willie Harmon, Willie Mav, who's now a very successful producer. He was, you know, we were DJing at these shitty flat parties on control and we're like, no, nah, we want to actually start playing proper shows. Like there's talent here, there's opportunity here, there's demand here. And it was just about taking a leap and seeing how it goes. And yeah, it was amazing. And it was also because like I was at university studying it. It was sort of like the time is now. And every day I was going into uni and, you know, we we're learning all these new things about music and I was sort of like, you know, why be why be at a stalemate? Why don't you just give mm. it a leap and see how it goes? Mm. And um, Seizing the opportunity as well. Yeah, right. Thing, yeah. Hard out. Um, and when it, like, I'm also really keen to understand when when did things really start taking off for you? So you ran those 15 or so shows with... So that, oh, that, like, 15 across multiple years because um, they were, like, one a month. Yeah. Oh, and I think we did 10 in the first... Oh, yeah, 10... Oh, we did 10 across a year or something like that. Um, it really started taking off. So shows going well. We're selling out all these local things. And then we had these guys, Chemistry Touring, had, a, had us up who were from Australia and was like, hey, we're looking for a Wellington partner. So then we started doing international artists with them. And that's sort of when we started really making our way to be an established promoter. We started hosting all these international artists. Our first one was BC and LSB at Club 121, which was really cool. Are you still in at uni during this time? Yeah, yeah, I was still at uni, yeah. So this was all within the space of a year. So our first international gig was in October. So we started promoting in May, and then our first international artist gig was in October, which was crazy. It was all happened very fast. It was all quite a, a quick rise and stuff like that. And then, yeah, sort of from there, we just started doing more and more shows. Um, and then throughout 2019, we started hosting um, artists like K9 and K Motions when they were big, but just starting to come up. Mm. So it's really cool. Like we've formulated relationships and friendships with those guys. K Motions is one of my best friends. He lived at my house for th uh, three weeks when he was here on one of his NZ tours. I caught up with him when I was in Europe and stuff like that. So it sort of was like a perfect timing, perfect place, and then just sort of having the drive to do it as well. But mm -hmm. yeah, that was sort of 2019's when things started taking off. Like that year, we did a crazy New Year's run. We played at Ribbon Vines, Ribbon Alps. We did Sound Splash. Crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. And then, yeah, it sort of... 2020 was obviously on and off because of COVID, but I don't know. It was still a good year, 2020, because the demand went crazy for shows mm. when shows could be on. So, mm. yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah, tw end of 2018 to 2019 is when it started really going off. Yeah, I, I could I could only imagine how, especially as you're moving into this work full-time, and then COVID hits. Yeah. How did you guys get through such It was actually a quite interesting. Um, so I was just going to get a part-time job. I was like, I'll stay in Wellington for another year. That's when we just started, actually, our partnership with Audiology. Um, so we work on a collaborative basis with them doing their shows uh, their tours we do the Wellington shows with them and obviously we partner together on the festival which is further down the track mm -hmm. but um, so I was going to get a part time job and then COVID hit and another one shout out to the government uh, I pay my taxes though so get the I get it back but essentially um we had the money of like uh, the oh, what was it called? Sorry, like the living, uh, the not the wage subsidy, was wage it? subsidy. Yeah. yeah, so we had that. So that's sort of what kept us afloat all throughout 2020, which was really good. But yeah, it was definitely hard. But then it actually wasn't as hard as other people had it because we had shows again in June, mm. you know, and like we had shows for most of 2020, and like obviously 2021 stuff was on and off. But like we had a lot of freedom. We had a lot more gigs than most people did. So yeah. it actually wasn't as much turmoil as you would think it was yeah. especially for like compared to other promoters and stuff like that but yeah the government subsidies really did help us like mm. you know the government get a lot of flack and there was a lot of things that definitely did wrong but stuff like that definitely helped the music industry keep afloat uh, they probably could have done more but mm. even like there was a time where there was what not wage subsidies and they came and they started doing this um, thing that was directed directly at music and promoters and all that sort of stuff so they did a whole range of things which was really good they created mm. an organization called music help so there was a lot of things there, a lot of support structures there. Yeah, I, I remember post-COVID as well because we obviously did that really hard and sharp lockdown. We were mm. in like level four for what felt like half a year. Yeah. And um, 
I think then things started to open up and they like, you know, let go of some of those restrictions and you could like go out and see your mates again and go to parties and mm. go to gigs. I think I remember going to like Mardi Gras and that might be like one of the first like big festivals. That was in November, yeah. So they had to keep getting pushed back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. Bro, just the, and I'm I'm sure you would have experienced this through the events that shortly followed after we were all free, but the feeling that everybody had, whether it was at, you know, Mardi Gras or R&V, you know, the first festivals Mm. and events back from being like locked out of society basically. Like just that, just that feeling people had. Like it was, it was like something I've never really experienced before. It was a unison. Eh? It was yeah. I remember playing the first show. It was actually quite. Uh, it was good and bad. Our first show back, I was the headliner for it. Um, it was one we did with Audiology, it was just like a local localized thing that sort of sub brand that I created with them. And I was like loving. It. I was finally up on stage, and then it was at Meow, and then this girl came up on stage, and she wouldn't get off. I was like, please, I'm trying to play, and she was like, "There's a bookcase at Meow um, behind, which is sort of like the facade." And she was taking these books and like just putting these books by the decks. And I was like, "Please." Why get was off. she doing that? She was just super drunk, just like on the stage, just having fun dancing. I was like, "Please get off!" Like, I've been waiting for this moment for so long. I want to play. Like, please. And then she's like, "Me too." Yeah, she was just really drunk, and then. I was trying to tell Willie, Willie Mav, I was like, please get her off. And he just couldn't, I don't know what she was doing. I don't know what the security were doing as well. Like we're paying them money. Like Meow are great though. I love Meow. They're another <laughs> people that, that venue are absolutely amazing. They're another people that have helped us so much. Um, it was probably actually my fault for not putting a security outside of stage, but I've away. And that was funny, but the energy in the room was great. That's why I guess she was just having fun. She was having a bit of freedom, but yeah, the energy in the room was mm. insane. And I didn't drink or anything throughout lockdown. Cause like, this is the, t- the time to take to have it off. So well, it was nice, nice to just be back. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone was drinking during lockdown. I just had I just had to stop. Eh? Like I sort of smoked a bit of weed at the time as well. I've quit yep. that now as well. But I just like this is the time where I can just give my liver a bit of a break. Mm. But you know, lockdown was definitely tough. It was really tough. Like it was just so hard, you know, being on top of the world and the company was really getting to where I wanted to be and all those sort of things. And then mm. it was just like lockdown and mm. and it felt like dystopian. But it's all over now, and I feel like it's just a thing of the past, really. Eh? Totally. But obviously, it's a, a terrible thing that's happened. You know, I feel very bad for all the people that have lost family members and all that sort of mm. things. And we're still family economic impacts, but it's just nice to be out of that. Totally, yeah. totally. And um, just learning to live with it now. Eh? I yeah. also feel like people at the moment just don't give a shit. Yeah, anymore. no one cares <laughs> like, anymore. Which I'm happy with. Like, I can just couldn't be fucked anymore. Eh? All through like even that stuff in was it 2022 or no 2021? Like that lockdown in August was just. Mm. Shit. Hard out, hard out. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And I, there were so I, many stupid things, like how they ruined New Year's that year. And yeah. But that was actually good. We played um, Rolling Meadows Festival. Another person I'd like shout out, Sub 180. We've done a lot. We've been working with them since the start. How, um, speaking about that, that lady who jumped on, on stage, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, how do you deal with, um, I guess just drunk people at all, all your events. Like, has there been some horror stories? Just, just security, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's definitely been some times. Like, there was a time that this girl fell over and bruised her face or something. Then she went up and tried to claim that she was assaulted. Oh, and shit. we obviously took that very seriously. I was like, oh, my God, like, we're sorting this out right now. We're going to kick this guy out. And then we reviewed the footage, and she'd actually fallen off. She's obviously a bit crazy. Do you reckon she was, like, concussed? And this nah, what, nah, like, she's, okay. just, she's just a bit crazy. She used to go out with one of my friends and stuff like that. So she, we, we know who she is. Other horror stories, yeah, actually, this is this is a very crazy story. <laughs> I'm happy with talking about this well it's sort of a sad thing as well but third ever gig thing was going crazy you know as we went down to Dunedin we're like alright sweet we've done two shows once and now let's go to Dunedin this is sort of the mecca of student drum and bass and all that stuff went down there did the show it was awesome and then um, these guys had a fight and this guy actually got glassed in the head it was crazy shit like yeah. bottled yeah like, bottled yeah shit. and so the kid was pretty messed up he had to go to hospital the guy that did it um, actually ended up in jail because wow. he tried to Pleaded not, we pleaded not guilty. His lawyer, his lawyer, uh, directed him the wrong way. Pleaded not guilty, but he's doing much better now. Jail actually really helped him a lot, but it was just crazy. So that was, you know, and we're like, fuck, do we even want to be promoters? Like, mm. this is our third ever gig. There's been a serious incident here. Like, it's crazy, and that was a very wild night. Heaps of shit happened. Like, girls got locked in the bathroom and the. Um, bar owner had to like crawl through this like toilet up through the window like scale the wall and there's like lots of crazy we definitely had some crazy things like um we did canine at shed six and this guy had a seizure which was like really hard he'd never had a seizure before i think he just like the light had caught his eye and then he had a seizure but then it actually actually the good the silver line of that was that he was um really upset obviously it was a pretty hectic experience for him and then the medical room was next to the green room so then we took canine oh, we brought him in to meet canine he was really happy about that That's so mean. that was a cool experience but yeah definitely General Drunk Pair was just sort of like being in the right headspace yourself and event managing the mm. um, project managing the event correctly and just um, keeping in communication with security. But all event security are really good. We've never had any that have been that bad. So, yeah. 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 That's awesome, bro. Yeah. It's yeah. alcohol is such a weird thing. Eh? Yeah. It's like, 
the the more I'm sort of getting older, it's like the more I'm just very selective with the moments yep. I also drink and like indulge 100%. with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I like for our events, I'll have a couple of beers, yeah. sort of like yeah, especially when I'm playing and stuff like that for the nerves, sort of thing. But um, mm. yeah, keep it pretty chill, and then don't won't drink in the week or anything. But I still enjoy myself definitely. For sure, yeah. for sure. And I was, I was going to ask you that because you're basically living the life of like a, mo- a modern day like rock star. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're just basically traveling traveling the country, hosting shows, massive gigs festivals what is that like just having the energy to keep showing up because you know i'm sure yeah. like at these events you're the man everyone wants yeah. to talk to you yeah. and you've got like especially when you're performing yeah for sure like does that also take a toll on you uh a little bit yeah i think it's all just about keeping mental health right and like working out so i know you're a runner i love mm. running running changed my life actually when i was um really young i was severely overweight i was like 120 kgs at like wow. 10 or 11 or something like that ridiculous so wow. then I got and then I dropped down to 74 or something when I was running a lot that's incredible, so bro. yeah running running's the main thing so it's just like for me now like especially quitting smoking weed and stuff as well really helped my yeah. mental health so now like in the weeks I'll pretty much just go to the gym run where I have to work quite a lot as well because we're like the thing is you work in the day for all the admin stuff and then all the social media stuff you have to do at night because yeah. you, you do all of that yeah so yeah, yeah I, I'm the one like I've got a business partner of mine Ben another guy I like to shout out absolute legend he's shout been with me since the start yeah um, but he more just does operations for event management so yeah. I actually do everything else so yeah it's sort of be like an 80-20 split is the best way to describe it yeah. so yeah, but so in the week it's just like, you know, I don't really like, I used to go out to my mate's house quite a bit and smoke weed and stuff like that, but I've stopped doing that now and it's sort of been a bit more grounded, like we'll go for a run at night, we'll work at night yeah. and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's just like finding the balance, but mm. I think as well, it's just, my dad's got the same thing. I'm just very lucky to sort of just be born with quite good stamina. Mm. Not trying to sound up myself or anything like no, that. But I don't people, know. Some people have yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Like I'm not very good in the morning though, is the one thing. I'm quite bad at trying to wake up early and stuff yeah. like that. I still yeah. have to push myself to do it. Yeah. Definitely sleeping some days after we've been touring all weekend, but um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's just yeah, just good. And I love it. I'm so grateful for this amazing life Mm. and amazing opportunities I have to be able to do such a cool job. Mm. And And only just getting started, bro. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, I'm only 25, so there's much more to come. That's awesome. Um, I think when it comes to like physical fitness and just looking after your mental health, eh? Like when you. I remember there was a moment probably like a couple of years back and I'd just be like looking across and seeing all like a whole bunch of the boys, which I absolutely love, who were just like, you know, parked up, smoke heaps of weed, mm. you know, drinking every weekend, just sucking on vapes. And like, you, there's no, like, of course you're going to feel, you're going to feel like shit if that's what you're putting it's into just, your body. Yeah, that's what you're need, yeah. Um, 100%. And so, yeah, like I just feel... And personally, I feel so much better after I put my body through like strenuous exercise. Yeah. I'm just like not the same person. As Something that was really interesting that my uncle actually said to me, he's a very smart guy, doesn't drink or anything actually. Mm. Um, he said that like, you know, exercising is like, um, what was the word? It's like a working out your mind essentially as well. Mm. So it's like exercise is also exercise for your mind. It's not just for your body. So like, you know, it's, it's like training. It's like training your mind, essentially. So it's just yeah, like exercise, exercise is such an important part of life, and running as well. Being outside, being yeah, in nature, right. you know, I love walking my dog and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I was in a similar boat, and this is actually something I found. Like when we were starting out, you know, I was smoking weed all the time, just being quite lazy, not working out, and sort of like the sh- like the quality of the shows were good, but I just wasn't putting enough effort. And now, like I'm obsessed with it. Like I'm like, mm. I need to be there. I need to be there sitting up and stuff like that. I need to be overseeing everything. I've become quite a micromanager now as I've gotten older and more mature and sort of just learnt mm. things well, which is good. Because, yeah, at the start, I was a bit like, oh, we'll just get the production guys to sit up. I'll rock up there like half an hour before, you know. I was a bit, I was being a bit like, just a uni student mindset too. But now it's yeah. sort of, it's my full-time job and I've grown older. I've just learned how important it is to have more of a balance and stuff like mm. that. Man's a professional. Yeah. So if we go back and what does your standard, your average week look like? And we talk about like routines, what yeah. is your sort of... So, wake up in the morning, um, I either go to the gym or for a run, like I have a personal trainer as well, which has helped me a lot. Shout out to Luke, another person I like to shout out. <laughs> this so might be the most shout outs, yeah, I love yeah. this, it's good. Yeah, so he's a legend, so um, he's helped me a lot. I've actually been with him for about six months or so, but yeah, cool. so pretty much wake up, either go for a run, go to the gym and alternate that, so it's like gym in the morning, run at night, or run in the morning, gym at night sort of thing. Mm. I also go and like... Um, go on the Stairmaster and bike and all that stuff. I'm trying to burn like a thousand calories a day and all that sort of thing. Nice. Yeah, which is good. And then we'll be hopefully back at the office by like eight or so, which is just my home office, my bedroom. Yeah. Um, Have you got that that like space set up nicely for you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. I've got like a curved screen and stuff like that. So it's cool. And like a pretty decent sized bedroom. So it's good. And um, we'll just be working throughout the day. Like there's a whole range of things that you essentially have to do. But because I do everything, like I've got to do all the budgeting, I've got to do all the marketing, I've got to do all the uh, logistics. So I've got to organize and you know, I've got to book all the hotels. I've got to do all the flights. I've mm. got to 
do contracting, I've got to do invoicing, I need to do all my own bookkeeping. I have an accountant and stuff like that, but it's every sort of aspect of show. And there's just a lot of logistics, a lot of talking to people and sort of just organizing things mm. and that type of things, calling people, negotiating with agents. So it's still like, it's pretty standard, like nine to five sort of job. And then we'll finish at like five or six, go for a run. And then I sort of have to work from sort of say 6.30 or whatever to 7.38 and like I always like, I see the same, say, see the same thing with my dad. Like he'll, he's a knee surgeon. Mm-hmm. He works from like seven in the morning till seven at night. Then he'll get home, have dinner, have a run or whatever, and then he'll go on his laptop and keep working. So wow. I've tried to like keep that mantra up as well. So do you think you picked that that like that trace of his intense work ethic? Do you think you, that, was that something you were like was yeah. visible to you? Yeah, up? yeah, I see it, and I'm like it's inspiring. So I just try to follow. So and yeah, it's really good. And then I like quite obsessed with it. And then you know sometimes like sometimes work is literally chatting to people on Facebook. And, like, mm. Like organizing like you know with all audiology guys we obviously talk on email as well but lots just facebook and stuff like that um so that would pretty much just be every weekday really like you know, i don't always watch i don't have that much time to watch tv and stuff like that but i'm quite obsessed with it so it's cool like i'll stay up late like you know conceptualizing shows or doing new budgets or like you know talking to venues and stuff like that and mm. then sometimes throughout the week i go for like meetings at venues and stuff like that which is really cool um and that'll pretty much be monday to friday and then usually we'll either have a show. If we have a show on the Friday, then I'll fly to Wellington and do that show. Or if it's an Auckland, but yeah, pretty much. And then the weekend will be a show. Or if it's not a show, I've always been trying to play golf on Sundays as well. Yeah. Like just being out in nature and active recovery and all that sort of stuff's really good. Yeah, right. So yeah. aren't you glad you didn't become a lawyer? Yeah, very happy. Imagine man. what your week would have been like. I know. If we yeah. had this conversation and you were like some high like property lawyer or something. Yeah. <laughs> I would be an interesting life. But I'm very, very grateful for like, you know, it's pretty crazy to work in this space at such mm. a young age and just for all the opportunities we have, but it's definitely been ups and downs. You know, we've had, you know, the thing about promoting is it's like gambling. You're mm. literally like, okay, I'm going to put 20K on this show, red or black, may hit, may not. You never know. Like, you obviously know it's a big artist and stuff like that. You know, we're, we're doing friction, which we knew would sell, sold out pretty mm. much instantly and stuff like that. But it's always still a gamble. So it, is, it does take a lot of like, oh, what's the word? Like, I don't want to say balls, but you know, it's like, it's like you got to be like, you know, you'll be like, fuck, you know, sometimes like, yeah. we've lost a lot of money and stuff. Like we try to be quite inventive and do this yep. show at this muse- at the Auckland Museum. And that was really cool, but we just didn't sell enough tickets. It wasn't the right day and all mm. that sort of stuff. And like, it just, we got killed by like a rugby game or something. It was a oh, blues true. final or something. And like, show like that, you know, we lost a decent amount of money on this shows that yep. you just, it just is what it is. It's all part of it really. What are those like key ingredients that you'll put into promoting a show for it to be successful? Yeah. So sort of, what we're doing now is you so Auckland, we, well, until we do more traditional shows, and Auckland, I'm sort of like, we got to this point where we were just doing drum and bass raves at this club called Pointers, which is awesome, mm-hmm. but it was just rinse and repeat, and I got to the moment, and I was like, okay, I need to start thinking differently here. Let's flip the script. So, sorry, um, it's just picking up the oh, bang. Sorry, sorry yeah. yeah. So I was like, Let, let's flip the script. So essentially, I was like, okay, we need to start doing multi-genre live music experiences, cool, unique venues that you flip into um, of live music space, you mm-hmm. know, multi-genre lineups. So, so now, like, house music has really taken over. Mm, I love New Zealand. House, I feel, yeah, I love house a lot as well. Um, so now we're just trying to, yeah, just do different things. So that's what we're doing in Auckland. It's, like, hip-hop, DMB, and house in one show, cool venues like Windnow Pavilion, which is this really amazing seaside venue that doesn't have any, you know, you do a full production install, yep. we do a cool show, there's Sweatshop Brew Kitchen, just cool, unique venues. Um, so for shows like that, date's really key, like yep. essentially, and actually in Wellington as well, date, date's always key. We try to use the university, um, university like dates as a Bible essentially. So it's like, okay. okay, when are students here? When are they on holiday? All that sort of thing. So high tide is on the last set of exams for students. Uh, so so you're really strategic. With yeah, strategic planning with it. And like the idea is that for high tide is that... Um, it's like a final send for students at the start of summer festival. And yeah, it's sort of like the idea behind it is like, let's create, let's fill a gap in the market. But yeah, so date is super crucial. Lineup, date and lineup would be the most crucial things. Mm. Marketing as well. Yeah. What goes into like good marketing for? So now, now that it's, everything's changed into like digital marketing with like videos and stuff. So it's funny, like, now you can literally just download phone apps. So I have these multiple phone apps that I use and I just use old after movie footage and create like video ads with that. And I can do it in like half an hour myself, wow. you know, not just, Is that just on your on your phone. Yeah, literally on your phone. Yeah, it's crazy. True. So it's this thing called InShot. It's really good. One of my um, mates told me about it. They use it a lot. And now like a lot of most of our marketing now is at video marketing that mm. I'll literally just make myself, which is crazy because usually you'd have to pay people for that. Totally. Um, but yeah, that's really important. And then just getting like a strong, like for 
Facebook events are a really crucial thing in New Zealand music industry shows. Somewhere like in the New Zealand music industry, like in Europe and stuff, it doesn't people don't really seem to care about it. But here, it's quite crucial, and it's sort of the main way that you market to people. And then if you have lots of interest on the event, like people going and stuff like that, that have clicked going, then it shows mm. it like showcases that your show is going to be successful and that people are inter- interested in it. So we have like promo crews, which is sort of like the OG street crews, what people used to use, like people handing out flyers. We just have people sort of posting stuff on their Instagram store, or posting the gig posters on their Instagram story, inviting people to the Facebook event and stuff like that. Mm. Just cool, like, innovative marketing. So like for High Tide, we've done stuff like, we did a find a street poster and tag to win. So you'd, you'd post a photo. So we had all these street posters for the festival go out. You'd post a photo of it on your story and tag us and then you go on the draw to win tickets you know stuff like that, that. Yeah, yeah which is cool it's like it's like you need to think of organic ways you can organically reach people mm. and get past algorithms and all that sort of stuff but yeah. now Facebook and Instagram they've just worked it out so like if you really if you want stuff to get reach unless it's like sometimes you get lucky you just gotta pay for it so mm. we spend a lot on Facebook and Instagram advertising and all that sort of stuff but yeah, yeah. bro it's, it's fucking hard eh, to like build up followings on Instagram like, yeah. I've definitely found that with the podcast like it's a slow grind yeah. we finally got past a thousand followers yeah it's looking good go. man yeah congrats on that no I really love your guys content as well it's same same buzz it's like really nice short and sharp it's all yeah. video edited it's really cool it's yeah. really clean that's all thanks to Mr. Ashton yeah. sitting Shout behind the camera behind the camera yeah what um, without them. Yeah, and about lineup as well, support lineups really important. So, like, what we love doing is providing people with their first ever show, as long as they're obviously up to scratch, but providing people with their first ever show and then. You mean artists? Yeah, no, support artists. Support so artists. So, providing them with their first ever show and then all their friends will come and support them. And it's just an amazing feeling to see how excited someone is. Mm. Like, we had, we get in Christchurch, did our high tide warm up down there last Friday, and these guys, it was their first people set, and they were just absolutely loving it. They were like, this is just the most amazing thing. Thank you so much. And that's really fulfilling. You know, mm. I feel like life is another thing I want to talk about. Life's so about fulfillment now. And, you know, you, you don't really get fulfillment from material things. It's like, no doing cool things like for me I was actually talking to my mates about this last night it was quite interesting like okay you do a show you'll sell X, you'll sell heaps of tickets on launch and it's not like oh yes I've made all this money it's like yes like my show's successful it's going to be a great night like it proves that people are interested and it's just a cool thing it's like fulfilling to know that people want to go to your event it's not like oh I've made all this money great so obviously you need the money to keep going but it's more just about the passion of mm. providing such a cool experience to people and providing the opportunity for people to see an artist that they love yeah bro so if we're talking about like fulfillment and like what fills up somebody's cup, like what, what keeps you going, what fills up your cup to motivate you to keep pushing and having that motivation to just, you know, take risks and keep hammering? Just like successful shows really, just like, and I'm obviously there's the money side of things, but it's just like seeing like a show that's just sold out and people loving it and they have an amazing time say, hey, like I'm so, or like the hype when you bring one of someone's favorite artists mm. in the world and like, yeah, just like performances and stuff like that. And then for me, like I've just, the drivers so I really want to be a hip hop promoter so now it's sort of, sort of something that we're branching into more now so we started out with this sub company called Valley Promotions but we're just putting everything under Coastal to be sort of a multifaceted music yep. company as I mentioned earlier so yep. it's just like the drivers that I want to do bigger and better shows I see these crazy productions I think it's like looking at examples of other lead, leading um, industry leading things and being like okay that was insane let's try replicate that so yeah mm. it's just always like a hunger for more and sort of looking at other examples of insane scale things to be like okay I want to try achieve that I think that segues really nicely into your flagship festival um, High Tide which launched for the first time last year yeah yeah. Um, really like that must be something which is which I'm sure when you started Coastal Promotions was like okay bucket list yeah goal you know fairly on the track we'll be you know we'll be hitting festivals we'll be launching festivals running them across the country yeah what is that like running your first ever festival? And it was like a, a massive, a massive hit as well. Oh, Heads of mates go there yeah. Um, yeah. and just absolutely loved it. So, yeah, just yeah. what what is that thought process like for you? Being like, okay, I'm gonna put on because that that's such a next level above running mm. events and gigs, right? Yeah, it was the most incredible thing ever. It was the best day of my life. Like it was, it was insane, and it was just like. We looked at it like from the start, we always want to do festivals. I owe lots of the one to one guys as well. They were always motivated, saying you should do a festival. That's a natural progression of a promoter. And obviously, the most, um, the person we owe the most or the people we owe the most audiology, they were the ones who came in as a partner on the festival. We would never have had the investment to be able to do a festival ourselves. It cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, and obviously, access to artists and just experience and all that sort of stuff. But mm. it was a very surreal feeling. And like, you know, on the first night of last year, we sold a thousand tickets and it was just insane. I was just so happy to see that we were providing Wellington with this festival that they've always wanted 
and people were getting around it. But yeah, it was it was a pretty crazy thing, especially on the day. I've never had a panic attack in my life until this moment, but everything's going well. Tickets were sold. It was all looking good. We were in the green, the broken even, all that sort of stuff. And then there was a fun, like the weather was on and off saying it was going to be sunny or whatever. That's Thunderstorm right. and lightning. And I've never been so scared in my life. I literally was driving, going, picking up final stuff from the warehouse or whatever, pulled over, had a full on panic attack in the car. Like I was just freaking out. When you I, say a panic attack? I like was what? just <laughs> hyperventilating. I don't know. I just, this thing came over me and I had all these people missing the page. Like, is it canceled? Is it going to be muddied? Are you selling ponchos? And I just couldn't deal with the stress. It was just crazy. And then, just took a minute to breathe and I was like, all right, got back to the festival site and then it was sunny. So it was great. And that was the probably the luckiest I've ever been in my life. And literally didn't rain, it rained a bit in the morning and there was thunder and lightning. It was crazy. That stopped and then it was um, sunny the whole day. There was definitely clouds that came over and stuff, but it was pretty much sunny the whole day. And then it started raining at like 2 a.m. Crazy. Well, the festival was over, so. Bro, was I was, during that time, I was doing this run called the Goggins Challenge. Yep. You run like 6.4K every four hours or 48 Shout hours. Shout out to David Goggins. Shout, carry the fucking boats. Yeah. Um, and I, I had a bunch of the boys running with me on one of the morning runs, I think at like 8 a.m., and they were going to high tide. Yeah. And then, as you said, it just started pissing down with rain. And a, ho- a bunch of them were like, nah, fuck it, I'm not going to go. Yeah. You know, like they, they were it completely ruined, on the pitch. It just ruins the festival. And then the, the heavens opened up. Yeah. Yeah. You must have been. Oh, it was been the best stoked. feeling ever. That was literally the luckiest I've ever been in my life. Like, obviously, we're lucky the festival went well in regards to sales and just mm. people getting around it. But, like, that was just crazy. So I'm hopeful this year we can just have bluebird days. We'll see how we go. Yeah, but, bro. Yeah, yeah, it must be such a key ingredient. Yeah, but so. yeah, like, yeah, that was the most, the scary thing is weather. But yeah, it was a very, it was a crazy and it was insane like taking on a project of that size like I remember when we did first of the budget and like they sent me the template I just couldn't believe the amount of stuff was on there I was like there's so much things I just don't even know about and there was it was a lot of work you know it takes like a whole year pretty much but I was, it was that was the most fulfilling thing ever mm. and it's sort of like what my whole life put everything into it every cent I had everything and sort of all my effort and it's what my whole, sort of whole life has led up to is this festival so mm. Like, where do you even start? Like, what sort of coordination is involved with running a festival like oh, that? It's just like, insane. There's just so, so many, there's about. so many logistics. And the problem of high tide is that it's amazing location. It's literally like, and then so it's uh, on it the Petoni foreshore, Petone, yeah. yeah. And it's a beautiful park. It's tree line. It's next to the water. Literally on like a beach. It's like literally on the beach, pretty much. But there's a park by the beach, and there's industrial um, buildings around, so we don't have noise complaints and stuff like that. There's not residents close by, but it is sort of out of the way so we have to provide transport there like my friends uh, run a festival called Baseline in Dunedin which was another motivating factor for me um, to get started with the festival stuff mm. and their festival is literally like in the student quarter so you know transport you just walk there perfect we have to organise buses and that is just a nightmare in itself but yeah there's just so many logistics to go into it and that's why I'm very lucky to have Audiology mm. who uh, absolute pros in the festival business they've been doing it for 10 years so they know what they're doing but yep. yeah there's just it's, it's hard to explain really but there's just so much that goes into it so much logistical planning so many different supplies you have to work with and so many factors you have to consider yeah what, and who's doing like the event management is that you Are that's you, me and Cordiology Luke yeah so Luke, Luke is the, Luke um, shout out to Luke another shout out he's shout um out. He's the general manager of audiology and he's their main event manager. So he's the main event manager and then I would be sort of the secondary event manager, essentially. That's the best way to describe it. But then I do majority of the marketing and stuff like that. Yeah, that is crazy. And um, we'll just do a plug as well, the dates for High Tide. Saturday 4th of November. So yeah, it's going to be an amazing open-air two-stage festival at the Water's Edge. We hope to see all you guys there. It's um, an amalgamation of Coast Promotions, Audiology's journey in Wellington. It's Wellington's only festival and essentially central Wellington that has international artists. Mm. And yeah, it's just a massive landmark event for Wellington and we're really proud of it and we really hope to see as many of you there as possible. Mm. A, a question I've always wondered when it comes to festivals, how much, how many drinks do you have to order and how is that managed? So it's sale or returns. So it's actually quite easy, but yeah, you have to, you work with um, like a supplier like Gilmore's or something and then you'll actually just get like a chiller truck. But yeah, you order thousands, thousands and thousands of cans, but then you just have them in a chiller truck and then whatever you don't sell, you just return to them. Oh, so okay, it's nice and easy, good. yeah. Okay, I've yeah. always thought that. But yeah, you, 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 just, you just overestimate heaps and like we had, you know, we had... We actually sold a decent amount. We didn't have that. Maybe we had like three or four pallets left or something. So yeah. we just returned those and it was easy. Yeah. And I, I guess like the worst thing ever for running a festival would be if you run out of drinks. Yeah, literally. So you just never want to do that. And I've seen it happen in a few festivals, really. It was crazy. But um, yeah, so we work with uh, multi-events who are like a festival company, essentially. Mm. And they work with R&V. They do all audiology's events. And they run the bar for us. Mm. I, I, I'm sure, especially running High Tide, 
it's such like a to, to get repeat customers you have to make sure you like absolutely nail that first vessel experience yeah right? so that was like the one thing that we sort of did wrong well it was always gonna happen it's like we could only get one bar with the license and all that sort of stuff and then like it was a massive bar and it was actually like split into two so there was two separate lanes and stuff yep. like that but it just ended up being taking too long to get drinks and then they had to take the police like you have to take this down to like there's a lot of drunk people out there you're gonna have to take this down to one drink per person so then people were waiting at the peak it happens at any festival mm-hmm. people waiting 30 45 minutes for one drink and so we had a few complaints about that but nothing major and most people were like that was absolutely amazing we'd yeah. definitely be coming back and all that sort of stuff but this year we've got two bars which awesome. is great so awesome. it's crucial I, that's, I really wanted two bars last year but it was a staffing issue as well which is just something that's affecting all of yeah. New Zealand as a staffing issue so could you guys do because I know some festivals um and they've sort of opened up like the regulations around it. Like, could you do the free drug testing there as well? Yeah, I do actually want to do that. I don't know if we'll do it this year, but yeah, I don't know what the cost and stuff is, but I might mm. actually look into that. It might not be too late. I would love to do it. It's I think it's very important for us. It's all about we want to create like high tides, all inclusive, safe festival environment, and we want to welcome people that share our vision. That's the whole point of it. Mm. So, having things like that is really important because it's like you know that you're going to be safe. So yeah, I actually that's something that I was meant to do haven't done yet I need to look into it but yeah I'm just not sure I think it might be quite expensive as well I think it's around 5k but in the grand scheme of things it's not too bad it's worth it for the safety of it but yeah I, I've just never dealt with it I we were going to think about it last year but I think it's pretty important yeah. but we have obviously the ambulance and we have like you know hydration tents and all that sort of mm. stuff and we've got shade areas and water like you know yeah. 5,000 litre water tanks and all that sort of stuff but yeah I think yeah. Know Your Stuff is a very great initiative so hard out awesome organisation eh? yeah. um, I just hate the people that are like oh if you doing drugs you know you shouldn't fucking like who cares what's in it like oh, that's ridiculous you know I mean? yeah, people like, want to know yeah so I think yeah, it's good I think yeah well hopefully we may not have it this year but we're definitely going to have it yeah man future. that'd be an yeah. awesome move that'd be really yeah. cool no that's really important it, it feeds into our whole festival ethos really mm. so mm. What will the seller like? This is also something I want to talk to you about. Like, what? How do you also reward yourself after the pulling off an event like High Tide? Oh, it was actually quite funny. We had like obviously the big party and stuff like that with some of the artists, and then the next day we we're out having a couple of drinks, celebrating, and then uh, in the Wellington waterfront they've got that wharf thing that you dive off. My yeah. mate's like, just do it, dive off the wharf, you know. <laughs> I was like, all right, then sure. I don't know. That's how. Like, this is my business partner Benny's like. That's how I wanted us to celebrate. You have to dive off the wharf, and I, I literally didn't have. I had to like you know go back to the Airbnb we had like in these wet shorts and a towel or anything. But yeah, that was pretty funny. But yeah, it was just like pretty much just celebrating as had a drink with the team, and I guess you'd say did we just partied and just celebrated and just basting it all. It was amazing. Like to be honest, I almost cried at one point when I was walking around the festival. I just couldn't believe it. Like the scale of it. And yeah, it was just how insane. many people were there? Uh, three thousand eight hundred last year. This year we're aiming for about five, if not more. So we'll see how we go. It's already sold 3,000, so it's looking really good. Amazing, brother. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the future direction of High Tide and Coastal Promotions, where do you want to take this thing? Um, we essentially just want to become one of the main promoters in New Zealand. I think we already are, not to try too much or anything, I think we've definitely become one of the biggest promoters in Wellington and the greater Wellington region, which I'm very proud of. But yeah, and just diversifying bigger artists and diversifying more into house and hip-hop. So for me, I really want to become a big hip-hop promoter. That would mm. be my absolute dream to host people like Joey Badass and Freddie Gibbs Freddie and Gibbs. stuff like that. Yeah, been very lucky to meet Freddie a few times. But stuff like that, Flatbush Zombies and just Vince Staples, Action Bronson, all these type of rappers that I like. Mm. I'd love to get into that field. UK people as well, like AJ Tracy and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just trying to do and just do cooler different things. So like one thing that fed into our whole sort of um, ethos of doing unique live music experiences, we did this thing called Soundscapes where we activated this warehouse space called Brad's Warehouse, which is an amazing 750 cap um, warehouse in Auckland CBD. We're the only promoters that have ever done a proper show there. And it was just, that was really cool. So it was just like creating really cool different things like that. I sort of want to be quite innovative in New Zealand, mm. and do things that are reminiscent of Europe and stuff like that. But yeah, it's sort of just bigger and better and just being innovation is key. So what else can we do? You know, different warehouse parties, activate different spaces, just do things that sort of blow people's minds. And that's something that we've been like inspired by, by people like one to one and audiology who are always sort of mm. pushing the curve and stuff like that. Mm. Would you ever look to move like High Tide eventually to be like a multi-day festival? Oh, yeah, so circling back to how we want to expand High Tide. I don't know if I will, like, someone actually asked me this because I did another interview, which was just for the Massey, um, like, Massey Student Magazine about High Tide. And, like, I don't know, potentially, but I almost think the beauty of High Tide is one day, so that makes it more inclusive because if we mm. made it two days, then people, it's like trying to get people from work after work on a Friday or, like, yeah. they have work. So I think it's just keeping it as a big one-day festival, but it's expanding it. Like, that site 
has so much depth. You could put 10,000, 15,000 people there if you expand to the rugby fields outside the part that we use, which is like the dog walking area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just what's workable with the council and stuff like that. The council are quite worried about how many people you can, the exit, how many people can actually get in and out of the space. So, but yeah, the idea is to try to just build it bigger and better. And I just want to get bigger. I just want to have like ASAP Rocky and stuff mm. on there, you know? Mm. Fisher. Fisher. Lake, yeah. So yeah, speaking about like dream dream guests or dream international artists to collaborate with, who who are some of them? Definitely Fisher and stuff like that. Like uh, Freddie Gibbs, of course, Joey Badass, Flatbush Zombies, people yeah. I mentioned earlier. Like in the more electronic realm, Fred again would be pretty crazy. Skrillex, mm. like I'd love to have some of these bigger names. Chris Lakes up there as well. There's this really guy, cool guy coming through called Mal P, who's like a techno house sort of guy. He's one that we're trying to work on for next year. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Kate Trinata, mm. that would be. That would be sick. That's something that I want to try to push for. But it's quite hard um, with bigger artists like that that you just play off Live Nation because that's just yeah. how they do it over what, the world. What's Live, John's, Live Nation? Live Nation's the biggest concert promoter in the world. So they mm. um, they own part of R&B and stuff like that, but they're just like established all throughout the world. And they do people like – any big arena tour will be with them is the best mm. way to describe it. They're, just, they're the biggest promoter in the world. But I'd love to do like John Summit. He's an like, absolute legend house artist. He's one of the biggest in the world at the moment. Stuff like that. So – yeah, but if a high tide, yeah, I'd love to get people like Fisher and just these bigger names and sort of just like make it bigger. But yeah, with all within, like, I don't want it to be too commercial. So mm. with like bigger names, but nothing, I wouldn't get like any pop or anything like that. Yeah. It had to be like a big house, big techno, big, um, big rapper or something like that. Yeah, yeah. bro. Yeah. Um, when it comes to your relationship with Freddie Gibbs, Freddie Gibbs as well, I know you've met him a few times. Yeah. Can you speak us through the story of how you've gone about it? It's crazy, yeah. So he's my favorite musician in the whole world. And it was crazy to meet him because he was such a nice guy and it was just, it was mental. Like, it was just crazy even being in the same room as him. But essentially, this is sort of part of where my music journey started is when I was in year 12, going to, starting going to gigs and stuff like that. And I remember I was just on SoundCloud, heard a song by him called Robes and Earl Sweatshirt and Dumbo Genesis. And I was like, who is this guy? This is insane. Mm. Well, this was, I became obsessed with him. I was like, this is like some of the best music I've ever heard. And then, Back in the day, it was quite a common thing to create pages. Like this guy did Bring Schoolboy Q to New Zealand, and then it was I like one of the yeah, yeah, so then I did Bring Freddie Gibbs and Mad Libs to New Zealand. Um, <laughs> and it ended up like it was paid part. And I remember I was messaging him on Instagram, and he's like, I want to come and just has to work for promoters and stuff like hey, that. True. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and then it just ended up happening. Like, like you know, obviously, I think it was always going to happen, but we were just a contributing, a small, small contributing factor in it. And then I got very lucky. I went to the show and stuff like that. And then a friend of mine, his sister, um, they they met him at a bar. Her and her friends met them just like they were just randomly at a bar the night before. So then they were backstage, and then she's like, "Oh, the guy who created the page is downstairs. Can he come up?" He's like, "Yeah, of course you can." And then I went up with him, like smoked some blunts and shit. It was crazy. Bro, like, yeah. What's then, it like chilling with? with oh, it was nuts, Gibbs. man. It was crazy, and he's such a nice guy. I was interested in just talking to him about everything. And like he he found it pretty crazy as well that like you know how much of a big fan I was and stuff like that. And then we like went to a, um a, like uh, this gig down the road. This arcade is this real cool skate brand. They're running a gig yep. in there. And then the other times I met him was we were playing R and A together. And I just came and like knocked on his door. And a security guard came and said, like, "Who are you?" And I was like, "Oh, like, I know Freddie from before." And he's like, "Yeah, you can come in." So it's called cool talking. Like, he recognizes you. He knows yeah, you. yeah, yeah. And then I met him another time. I was in America. He was um playing this boat party, and we went there. Like, how the fuck has this guy showed up here? I know, it was crazy. <laughs> oh, the story continues. And then so we were on the boat, and then he was up in, like, the captain's room, and he had to come outside to smoke a blunt or whatever. So then and he walked past, and sort of, like, we were there, and we'd met this random American guy we were just talking to. And like, he walked past, and he looked at me and, like, smiled and shook my hand. And it was and the American guy was like, holy fuck, man. Like, does he know who you're? Like, what the? It was crazy. And then um, the other time... I met him, I was in America again, and he did like, he's acted in the movie, which is an amazing movie called um, Down With The King. It's definitely something else just to watch. Yep. And he, I went to his movie premiere and I went up to him after and I was like, hey man, gave him a couple records that I bought him of his favorite rapper Scarface, which was really cool. And then the most recent time I met him, which is actually, this is what probably the craziest times. Yeah, so I've been four or five times. This would be the craziest one when we actually did a very good Yanni, so he recognized me and shit. Um, I was in Europe this year and I went to Hideout Festival in Croatia and I'm good mates of Lude. Um, he's got that song like Down Under and all that sort mm -hmm, of stuff. Mm -hmm. He's a big drum and bass artist. So he got me an artist band to hide out. And then I went, I was in Portugal and I went to go see Freddie and my other mates had already gone down. So it was in Lisbon and my other mates had already gone down to Lagos and I stayed because it was also my, um, un my uncle-in-law was having a birthday party in Lisbon. And then so I was, I'll stay for that and I saw Freddie was playing. So I just went to the festival by myself to go watch him. Favourite artist, you know, had to go do it. And um, had the artist band, had like the normal band for that festival and had the artist band. And then after he played, like, you could sort of see into the backstage area. And so I, remember I just walked up to the backstage and showed them the artist band. The lady sort of looked at it, she's like, 
because it wasn't the right band. She's like, artists just go through. No way. Yeah, it was crazy. I just was like, I was like, let's take a punt. So then I walked up to him, I was like, hey, man. And he's like, yeah, I remember you. Bro. He's like, what the fuck are you doing in Portugal? Like, <laughs> it was so funny. And um, it was awesome. We just had a yarn talking. He's like, yeah. And he's like, I was showing him photos when we first met. He's like, bro, when I first met you were a kid. And he's like, oh, man, like I appreciate a lot. And I was talking to him about coming back. So he's someone we're really trying to get for future. For so right, I'm yeah. sure you'll nail that one. Yeah, I think it will come through. But yeah, just it's hard. The hip-hop stuff's hard, man. But we're working through. So we're doing Unknown T, which is our first proper hip-hop international in October. And we're also doing, it hasn't been announced yet, uh, but it's announced next week. Souls of Mischief, who are like an absolute legendary there 90s hip hop act. So pretty, pretty sorry about that. So it's all starting to come together. Crime yeah. pays, crime pays. Um, that's incredible, bro. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, it's nuts, man. Um, oh, I just had, had another question that was just flown by me. Nah, it's um, Oh, yeah. Mo- moving from, from Freddie Gibbs, you were also overseas at Coachella. Yeah. I'm keen to talk to you just a bit about meeting Fisher and what that yeah, experience was Yeah, so like. very luckily, um, obviously a mutual friend of ours, mm. Ruben Godfrey, so his shout older out. brother. Yeah, shout out to him. Uh, Louis Godfrey, big fucking shout out to him. That guy's a legend. So he works for Fisher. And um, how I got the job was pretty cool. He just met him. They were at Riverman Alps and they saw Fisher on the street. So they're like, come in our van, mate. We'll take you there. He's like, yeah, I'll get in there, boys. Got in there. They were filming it and stuff. And then he applied to work for Fisher. They loved him in the interviews. He got the visa work through. So now he's one of his tour managers. Has the best job in the world. It's insane. Crazy. And he's an absolute legend. And so we're at Coachella. Uh, my whole family went. My mum and dad and stuff came. I went um, obviously with them, but then I had a few friends that were there as well. What's it like going to Coachella oh, with your family? Oh, no, it was cool. awesome, bro. Yeah, it was, awesome. it was cool. But it was a, it's an amazing festival. It's definitely the best festival in the world. It's always sunny. It was it was a surreal experience. I've been twice actually, which was really cool. Um, but so then he he was like to the girls, like, oh, I've got like a surprise for you. Come to this location at this point at this time. So we went there, and then he comes through with all these bands. Like you're going on stage for Fisher, and it was just absolutely insane. Like looking at a like hundred thousand people it was Fisher and Chris Lake, and it was just like the craziest experience I've ever had being on stage for that. It was awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. I think like. Anderson Pack was up there. Like it's like they no were here way. and then like they were here and then it was sort of like a big crowd behind me. And yeah, and it was just dancing. It was that was insane. And yeah, he Fisher's a really nice guy. I actually met him the first time I met him was at when I went to Coachella the first time. Mm. That's another pretty crazy and funny story. Um my friend's a model in New York and she got us into this insane after party at this place called Zenyara. It's like this mess of the craziest estate I've ever seen. It'll be like a for five hundred million dollars, so something just ridiculous. It's like what? it's huge. It's crazy. Like it, it's like it's like a resort, but it's like this person's like house. Like Gigi Hadid or something stayed there. It's like Holy something. Shit. It's crazy. ASAP Ferguson. They, they have like after parties and stuff there. And um, we went there. She got us in, which was nuts. And then we went there. And then he, we saw my brother. Was like, is that Fisher? I was like, definitely. He's like, nuts. No. So I was like, Fisher, man. He's like, that boy. He's like, he's like, the fuck are you Kiwis doing here? Like, I just couldn't believe that we were there, and it was real funny. And then just talked to him briefly. We went to Coachella the recent time, but yeah, being on stage for him was nuts, man. Bro, it must be insane to be someone like Fisher, where you're like just that feeling of like ecstasy every yeah. time you perform. Literally, yeah. I, I, I wonder if it sort of goes away because like if, whenever yeah. you see him perform, he's like got so always, much. Yeah, yeah I think that's just him. He's just one of those people that's just like loves it. Like same for me. Like I love performing. Like DJing, I do mm. on the side, and I've you know I've yeah, put, you're I put a great prom- DJ. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I put promoting forward. You know, and like with DJing, you have to if you want to be an actual artist, you have to be a producer and stuff like that. Yeah. And I. Gave that a good hack. Very luckily had an amazing teacher of Tom Lee from Lee Matthews, who we had some really good times. We actually made some good tunes, but it just wasn't for me. I'd, I put the time into it, but it just, I wasn't putting enough effort in, to be honest. So, mm. And I was more focused on promoting as well. So now I'm sort of like, I used to want to be like, oh, I need to be playing R&B. And we have played R&B before. But I was like, I need to be R&B every year, all that sort of stuff. But I've sort of taken that ego side of things out now. I'm like, I'll just play, I'll play my own shows, have fun with that, play for other shows if they book me. I'll even, even DJ house and stuff now because it's a mm. bit of fun. And mm. then, um, but not if I do like a proper worthy set, it'll just be drum bass. But now just more focusing on promoting, which is really good. Mm. So, and with um with Fisher, is he like as you would expect him in real life? Yeah, he's a legend, man. He's just like, like young boys. He's just like <laughs> he's a funny dude, man. He was just like yeah, like like ecstasy. Is like he was just like he was super full of life and vibrant and really nice guy like you know super cool and just loving it and yeah it's just he's just living the dream now he's one of the biggest artists in the world it's insane so hopefully one day we'll book him I don't know if it will ever happen it probably won't but maybe if High Tide gets big enough it's potential but uh, yeah, mate, he'd be like a million dollars a set fuck that would be insane yeah. two, two degrees of separation though yeah literally yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that, that's that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was nuts, man. All right, has there been any um, international acts or celebrities that you've met that kind of lowered your expectations of what they would be? Yeah, like? it was hard. it was tricky meeting Joey Badass, say because we met him at Rolling. I met him. It's funny. So I met him twice. Um, the first time I met him, we were in America, 
and me and my mate drove from New York to Boston to go see him for his first show of his 99. It was last year. It was 1999-2000 tour. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Bought VIP. It was like $25 for a ticket or like $80 for a meet and greet. So the US was like, fuck it, perfect. Met him, real nice guy. And then met him again at Rolling Meadows. And like, he was nice, but he just, I don't know. He, he just didn't seem like he had that much time for me. And I was sort of like, mate, I'm not so random here. I gave him a Ponamu and stuff as well. And he was still nice, but I think he was just a bit like rushed and stuff like that. Maybe yeah. he wasn't that happy about the set or whatever, but I've met his DJ a few times, Powers Pleasant, um, yeah. as part of Beast Coast. And he was a legend. I had a really good talk to him, yeah. but it was funny because I was on right after him. So I was like 10 minutes late to my set because I was there talking with him and stuff, but it was cool. But it was definitely like, you know, he's one of my favorite artists in the whole world. So I was just a bit upset that he wasn't as much of a nice guy as someone like Freddie Gibbs mm. or someone like was yeah never met your heroes eh yeah well that, yeah but then I met Freddie and he was the man I met Skepta when I worked at Beijing and he was an absolute legend That's and right. I luckily ran into him a few times at the hotel because I was um working for Gunner as his like artist liaison and driver which was cool Sick. yeah that was cool he was a nice guy as well Joe was still a nice guy I just thought he would be a bit more mellow yeah I, yeah he was honestly yeah he was just he was just sort of like oh he just didn't seem to care that much. Mm. I understand he's a superstar, but it's like, mm. this guy's come here to give you a gift from New Zealand. He's an actual artist at the festival as well. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he was just having an off day, bro. He was still like, when I met him in New York and stuff, he's still a nice guy. Yeah. Um, has there been any interesting like or strange requests as well from dealing with international artists? I remember oh, hearing- Gunner was like, I, he had five, so like I got them so that I get to get them weed. So I got him a half ounce. He's like, it's not enough. I need more. <laughs> so try, I was like, try, try to get them all this shit. And then like, then they were trying to expect me to pay for it. And I was like, nah. Like you've, I've given you've already been given your half ounce by the festival. Like if you want more, like it's coming out of my pocket. You guys need to pay for it. Yeah. And then like he like he had like five bags, like five suitcases. I had to keep going to the car and grabbing more suitcases. And this is right after New Year's, like right after when we did this. We that's when we played R and B and R and A. Went to Hidden Valley and went to Northern Bay. So it was like the craziest week ever. I was pretty tired. I felt like I was on the full sleep of the world, to be honest. But right. pushed through for a couple of Red Bulls. But then, yeah, he like kept making me go to the car and he changed outfit seven times. He's like, okay, I need a pair of scissors. Then he goes there and he gets a pair of scissors and cuts the arms off his T-shirt. He's like, oh, I'll wear this. Like, so that was that was quite interesting. But yeah, like riders and stuff wise, and I've never had anything too crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, I was hearing like a clip off a podcast with um, one of the owners of R&V. Um, I think it was R&B and he it was when they had like Chance the Rapper on mm. and apparently his like special request is always to have like a Big Mac or something from Macca's right. yeah yeah and uh, yeah so they're like shit yeah, I don't all, think we've had, yeah, how are we going to do this we've had so yeah we've had some interesting ones eh? like um, people wanting like someone wanted like this like glucose like sachet thing and I was like what the fuck like I don't know yeah but haven't had anything like two nights but it's real funny when like some people like example who's an absolute legend Shout out to Example, Elliot. It's pretty crazy. Like meeting him as well. He was so cool. We went out for dinner and stuff when he was here earlier this year. That's and awesome. It was amazing. Um, his ride is real funny though because it's like you know three bottles or whatever, and then he, I was like, is he actually drinking them? And he, him and his mates actually powered through them. So I respected that. But it's funny when like artists request stuff and then they don't actually even drink it. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, a, a lot of this also seems like just solid relationship building. Too, Definitely. Bro. Like, is that yeah. such a massive part of being a? Promoter? Yeah, hundred percent. You've got to like become friends with everyone. Like we're hosting Injure tonight for our high tide woman. He's become a good friend of over the years and he's just a legend like I just enjoy spending time with these mm. people like they're very good people everyone on the drum bass scene is really nice so yeah it's definitely relationship things and like just trying to get more that's for us so, like I've become quite good friends with examples so, and I was talking to his agent I was like I want to become and it's going to happen it's like we'll, we want to be the main guys for him in New Zealand we want to mm. you know be hosting him in Auckland Wellington I want to like consistently because he's He's not playing enough in New Zealand, which is weird, but he's playing in Europe all the time. You know, he's mm. had a massive resurgence. So stuff like that, yeah, just always trying to build relationships. And it's not just with artists, it's with agents, it's with suppliers, it's with venues, like all mm. that sort of stuff, yeah. Mm. So important, eh? Yeah, it's a very relationship-based business. Yeah, Even with other promoters as well, like a lot of promoters are sort of like, oh, I won't work with this person, I won't work with that. Like we're quite open book and we work with a whole range of people. Yeah. Like, and that sort of pisses some people off. I'm like, whatever. And it's also because it's in Wellington. It's like in Auckland, people sort of have their own turf. And Wellington's quite an open market. Mm, so, yeah. Mm. Well, you're doing a fucking incredible job, bro. Oh, thank it's, you, man. I, I, I really love appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me on, man. I've really, really enjoyed this. It's really good to talk with you and stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's just, it's cool, man. It's a really amazing opportunity. So, dude, it's awesome. Have you done a podcast before? Uh, no, it's been my first time. So, hey, yeah, I love great. that. Yeah. I love that. It's awesome. Um, yeah, man. I, I love seeing other, other young fellas just absolutely going out there and smash it. Yeah, so. man. It's just, yeah, like you're at the age where you need to seize the opportunities. You know, and life is what you make it. I remember I was talking to one of my mates, they're like, wow, like, you know, you're traveling a lot, like, you know, all this sort of stuff, like, how you do it? I was like, he's like, it's crazy, doesn't it? Life is what you make it. It's like, you know, I'm very blessed as well. I'm very appreciative that, mm. like, you know, these, how things have worked out how they were. You know, I don't want to blow smoke up my own ass or anything, but it's, it's definitely, it's, it's luck. 
it's definitely worked on stuff. It's definitely a lot of luck and just like lucky opportunities and right mm. time, right place, and a whole range of different. With things. the combination but of hard work, yeah, definitely, yeah. But um, I mean, you always got to be super appreciative and just humble and stuff like that. And it's something that I want to continue for my whole life. It's dude, one hundred percent. And you yeah. meet those people who have sort of like lost touch of yeah. their roots and yeah, where they came from. And yeah. like when you when you when you look at those people and you talk to them, you're like, fuck, man, you've yeah. totally you've totally just lost touch from reality. Definitely. And there was like meeting Skeptic. It's like he's one of the big stars, and he was the nicest guy ever. And he's yeah, like, he, he's still the same guy, mm. you know. Same as like some of the like dimensions, sub focus. They're all absolutely lovely people. And like mm. you know, Dimensions is a good mate of mine. We still talk stuff like that, you know. It's just there's people there. Yeah, most people like don't let the ego get the most of them. So it's yeah. great. I was having a thought today while I was driving. I was listening to a podcast, and um, you know, because we're both 25, mm. you know, we're young, we're in our primes basically. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, how much would we pay? Let's say we're 50 years old. How much would we pay when we're 50 to go back to this time and this period of our life right now? would probably pay like a crazy amount yeah, of money. Yeah, definitely. Like especially when you reach your old age. So it's like just being so appreciative in the 100%. moment. For like, oh, like in terms of like where you'd pay that to go back for to like go a back day in time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To like live yeah. live like a year being 28 or yeah, 25. Yeah, that would be years. insane, yeah. Like the amount of money, you, could, you probably couldn't even put a price tag on that. Definitely, yeah. It's actually an interesting one. So if you know Top Boy, that TV show, yeah. um, Ashley Walters, the main guy, Dushane, legend. He um he did an interview, he's talking like, you know, obviously he's had his trials and tribulations being in jail and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, he's like, if I could go back in time and change it, I would because what you've done like so I think I'd definitely do that and want to live that experience but I'd try to keep things the same because essentially his mantra was that um, everything happens for a reason and like you know whatever all the ups and downs all build to where you are in life now mm, so but, true, yeah bro. but I definitely agree with that I'd be mean to just have those experiences and yeah 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 and just before we wrap things up how do you personally like invest in your own personal development I think it's just looking at yourself and being like, okay, what can I do better? And like, you know, that's what like, the health and wellness side of things come It's like, you know, I'm trying to really like get my body better, get my mind right. And it's been like looking at other, and I think it's looking at examples of other people like, okay, there's this mass, you know, there's this big brand and UK DMB All Stars and they just, or even like uh, Herman skipped the boat, mm. shout out to him as shout well. Shout out Herman. Um, who yet I'm for, like just looking at like people that are quite visionaries in their field and be like, okay, I want to try, not replicate them, but I want to be innovative like them. So I think it's sort of looking at examples um, of other things and just sort of just taking time to ponder and think, how can I develop myself, develop my business, develop mm. my, all that sort of thing, yeah. Mm. Before we wrap up some quick fire questions yeah, and a sure quote, where can people stay in touch with you and your mahi, bro? Um, so just hit us up on Coastal Promotions, 47 on Instagram or on Facebook. I've got my own Instagram. Why can't hit me up on there? Charles underscore Clats. Uh, where the NZ is my artist page. But yeah, just Coastal Promotions and High Tide NZ. Just follow our Instagram page. is the best way to keep in touch with us. Awesome, bro. And links in the description wherever you're watching or listening to this episode. Clats, uh, what brings you true happiness? Oh, I'd just say, as I was talking before, fulfillment, man, like creating these experiences for people and just sort of like looking like I pulled off an amazing show. And like, obviously, as I said before, the money's one thing, but it's just like creating amazing experience for people and giving people opportunities as well. So like, as I spoke to before, giving someone their first ever set, they had the best time of their life. I just want to be an opportunity creator. And I just want to be an experience creator and just sort of like make unforgettable memories for people. So yeah, that's sort of what makes me happy in life, really. Yeah. Fucking love that. Ashton, clip that. <laughs> Uh, advice you wish you knew about when you were younger I think um, sort of like take things a bit more seriously I think when you were a kid well it depends like when you're like sort of when you're like 12 but I think in high school I sort of flicked on but then like yeah when I was sort of from like you know year 7 year 8 I know you saw younger but I think I just didn't take things seriously enough I wasn't trying at school Mm. and shit like that I did start trying at school in high school but I think yeah just sort of try to take things a bit more seriously and just sort of try develop yourself so you can be better when you're older and then yeah, even like in university and stuff like that like you know, I think I spent a bit too much time dicking around so obviously you know everything's gone really well but I think it's just trying to take things a bit more seriously when you're young and be like what's thinking more longevity but it's hard you know you're young you're a developing mind and stuff like that mm. so it's not easy to sort of be like oh this is where I'm going to be in five years if you're just you know you're just a first year uni student and you want to have fun but mm. yeah what does legacy mean to you? I think legacy means like obviously creating a mark and stuff like that but it's just like as I said before, like, create, like have it, creating great memories in people's minds about you and things that you've done for them. It's like just being known as someone that, as a generous person, has like done a lot of good. And I think, yeah, like legacy equals good in my opinion. It's like you don't want to have a bad legacy. So if you, mm-hmm. legacy to me is sort of like you need to create a good legacy where you're like being remembered for positive things. Mm, how you make people feel. Like. Yeah, 100%. If you could change one thing in New Zealand, what would this be? More venues, more <laughs> venues, man. If we had places like print works and stuff over there, it would just be insane. Man, I the demand for it, but yeah, more venues. And yeah. I think just um, there's a lot of fucked up things going on. Mm. Industry rise of like you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of bad people out there with like you know, there's 
a lot of things going on with like you know sexual assault and stuff like that so I really wish that that wasn't such an apparent thing in this modern day and age and all stuff it's just it's mm. such a shame and it's, I just you know some people are just sick in the head I guess but it's just it's mm. yeah it's it's and it's, it's a big thing and like yeah I, I just wish that there was more what's the word I think there was more consequences for that and I was just I just wish it wasn't such an apparent thing really but mm. yeah and yeah more venues <laughs> mm, totally agree bro what do you believe is the main thing that is holding back young people in New Zealand um, I think it's like oh, it really depends on your situation so it's a hard one but like situational things one thing but I think it's probably social media is a problem like I'm severely to Instagram I'm happy to admit that but I, think I think we all are right? yeah, so, yeah. It's, yeah it's just like look like I think people are like as I said you know I'm talking about comparing other people and stuff like that before but that's like looking at it from a business side of things I think people are sort of like too caught up in trying to be this person that they're not or sort of look a certain image or look a certain mm-hmm. way when it's like just be what makes you happy and be yourself and like just try to be a better person and try to be yourself and like it's pretty fundamental like what things like what's good for your body and stuff like that so I think yeah people get a bit too caught up on what they want to be what they want to be not what they need to be mm, love that well brother just to wrap up again really appreciate you coming oh, thanks on thanks so much for having me man. Um, I really appreciate we'll it it's been to do, amazing we'll have to do another one again <laughs> yeah definitely in a few yeah, years, a few years 100% back. yeah no, 100%. that'd be great um, yeah man really appreciate it and we'll end on a quote from uh, Mark Zuckerberg of all people the biggest risk is not taking any risk in a world that is changing quickly the only strategy is is guaranteed to fail is not taking risks mm, I agree with that awesome thank you guys so much Good job bro